Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Muma, and you're listening to localjobnetwork.com radio. This is Employment Notebook, where we speak with our expert guests to get their take on workplace-related topics. Today, we're looking at a trend in many organizations, and that's making a change to a remote workforce. And to talk about those types of things you need to consider before making a switch, we have Craig Bryant joining us. Craig is the founder and product manager of Kin HR. Craig, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing just fine. Thanks. How are you? I'm doing all right, a little under the weather, but uh, battling through here. Uh, it's definitely a topic, though, here that I think a lot of people are interested in. As I said, it's often a, seen as a trend and has been trending for a while now. I guess the first question that comes to mind in having you on, though, is how would you describe your personal experience in dealing with this idea of using a remote workforce? Sure. A few years ago, we had to increase. We're a software development company, first of all. So we had to hire a bunch of engineers for our business. And um, it was really hard. We live in Chicago. It's a very competitive market. And we've just found that we had to compete too much in our local market. So we said, hey, you know, let's try to hire some remote folks, see how that goes. And it was basically downhill from there. We found a ton of really well-qualified individuals around the country who we ended up working with. And we've really seen no downside to it other than obviously we don't get to spend time you know, one-on-one in the office too often. Sure. That's our personal experience. Well, that's something we'll definitely touch on a little bit is some of those challenges and and some issues that you have to deal with, as you mentioned there. In general, though, why would you say this is a topic that you see is important for employers that they need to look into and, as you said, maybe address for their own organization? Sure. Well, I think like the both of the coasts are really magnets for talent. And again, this is sort of biased towards technology and sure. software development and the industry that I work in. But it's it's really hard to compete, especially as a small business like what we are. You know, we're just seventeen to twenty people. We sort of grow and shrink a little bit like that. But you know, a lot of them employees or potential employees are looking for a lot more than just money. They want quality of life as well. And that means, you know, not packing up and moving to a big city if they're comfortable in say the rural area of Texas or something like that. You right. know, that because they're living there, it doesn't mean that they're lacking in any type of skills that we personally need at our company. So I would guess then your overall stance on this is companies should be very open to doing this. It's going to help their bottom line. I mean, what, what would you say is your, your overall take? My take is, yeah, <laughs> there's no downside to it. We do pay competitively regardless of a, you know, wherever these employees are located. There's, really no reason. We we would have had to, in our own case, we would have had to move to a much larger office than we're in right now. So it saved us a bunch of money there too. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I said, we're going to get into some details here about this subject. And, uh, you know, as, as you mentioned, maybe there are some things that an employer needs to think about before getting into this idea of a remote workforce. What do you think really is the biggest challenge or, or issue that an employer needs to consider before making a change like this? I think that there are two main challenges. Uh, one is cultural so the other would be technology and operations. So let's, I guess, touch on cultural first. Okay. We're hiring people who we don't have day-to-day physical interactions with in the office, right? We're not having coffee with them. We're not going to lunch with them. And that's sort of a strange thing at first, right? Uh, because you think that the organization and the productivity of the organization depends a lot on those those interactions. So to sort of, I guess, support some of that, you have to make sure that you've got all the touch points, all the regular touch points that you'd need, like regular chat, project management, Mm -hmm. regular communications from manager to employee. You have to make sure that you're on really firm footing organizationally with that before you start supporting 
a remote workforce just to make sure that all those people who are remote, they feel 100% dialed into your company's culture and operations. On the operations side, you know, it's things like that you might not think of like a VPN, right? So if you're transmitting secure documents like contracts or secure employee uh, customer data or anything like that, you do need to make sure that all the remote employees have the same experience working remotely as your on-site employees do. And that, that means like access to file servers and internet and all of that. What we've managed to do is push a lot of that stuff out to the cloud. Okay. So a lot of our tools and services, they're remote anyways. So, you know, all the experiences for folks who are in Chicago in our office is exactly the same as they are for our folks in Arkansas or Texas or Florida. Well, I think, you know, you touched on there how employers can look to remedy those obstacles a little bit and how they can take care of those issues that you've brought up. I want to go to the idea of, of course, collaboration being a big deal. And as you said, maybe some of that culture and camaraderie that you have within an actual building when you have people together. Is that a concern as far as actual being in a room meeting as opposed to doing it in other ways? Are, are there some ways you can affect that in a positive way? I mean, what, what's sort of your overall suggestions when it comes to the collaboration piece that's so big now? I think it depends on the roles. We have, again, we're, we're a bunch of technologists and we have a very firm technology stack and technical design and all of that. So our remote engineers don't have a lot of questions in terms of how to be executing something. So if we can be very coherent in giving them an assignment, and again, make sure that the email is there, the project management tools are there and all of that, they're pretty self-sufficient. Now, when we talk about business development roles or perhaps more strategy-oriented roles that are you know, really dependent on human interaction and doing live interviews with users, that type of thing, then yeah, we have to plan accordingly, make sure that people are coming into town regularly to kick off new projects and likewise to go out and visit our our clients and customers as well. Sure. So it's sort of role specific. On a cultural level, what I recommend to other companies is at the beginning, initially, when when a company is building a remote team, to make sure that there's budget for everybody to be flying into the mothership. So we started doing this quarterly. Actually, we started out when we weren't sure that remote was going to work for us. We started flying people in once a month. And over time, we learned that, okay, we really do have a good handle on this. We moved to once a quarter. Quarterly, I think, is a good, a good mix. We've mm-hmm. actually moved to half a year biannually something like that. But then we leave it up to the discretion of the actual employees to say, now's a good time for me to fly into the office. I want to spend a few days kicking off this project. Okay. Well, that is interesting, that aspect of it, of actually bringing the people in on occasion. And as you said, maybe once you get a handle on it, uh, it doesn't have to be quite as frequent. I think another thing that comes up always is the idea of productivity. And people wonder, is there any evidence to suggest that you know employees take advantage of that opportunity? Do they get more work done in some cases? What have you come across maybe personally within your organization or even what you've maybe talked about with other people? Well, if you go out and Google remote workforce and Yahoo, and you'll get you'll get the downside, right? Sure. There, there definitely is the the opportunity to take advantage of it. What we've done is try to make double sure that objectives are there and that regular, frequent contact is there, and then some sort of sense of measurement about productivity, which is a very hard thing to define sometimes. Right. So we do daily standups with our team. So everybody, we have a video conference, everybody shows up once or twice a day to do these stand-ups. We go around the room, 
you say, you know, what are you up to? What do you need from other people to accomplish your job? And then, like I mentioned before, personal objectives, professional objectives for each employee as well are very, um, very important, especially when you're not seeing these people regularly. How about the biggest mistake that you think uh, employers might make when they're looking to make this move to a workforce that is, you know, essentially mainly working remotely? Oh, the biggest mistake. Um, not thinking any of what I just mentioned is really important. <laughs> <laughs> out of sight, out of mind. Mm. I think that that's, a, that's an easy, easy groove to slip into. I personally have not grown, say, like a telemarketing team or a direct sales team that doesn't necessarily need to be on site. So I can't really speak to those types of experiences. Biggest mistakes, though, a lot of people will think, and we've, we have had these, op- these opportunities, they'll think that they're going to be just fine socially when they do re- move remote. So sometimes we'll hire people, they will be remote, and they have worked remotely prior some job candidates have not, but they actually want to do that. Okay. Some employees actually on our team, they've worked in Chicago and then they've moved across the country to begin wor- working remote. And we've always said, okay, we'd much rather have you stay at the company. We don't really care where you move to. You know, we'll set up shop, set up a business license in that state and, you know, we'll, we'll employ you while you're out there. And that's great. So I think the biggest mistake is not doing those check-ins again thinking that everything is going to be okay. Because even if things are okay in productivity wise, there's still an emotional concept or an emotional connection that may be lost. And you need to make sure that you help the employee sort of bridge that gap during the time that they're getting acclimated to working remotely. Sure. So do you see that having a, a certain effect on the employees more so or on the organization, you know, thinking of management and, and how everything's run there? I think that it is mostly on the employee. Okay. Again, we, we do things like time tracking. We can, this is not a great measurement of productivity, but we see how much, you know, people are actually producing when they're, when they're writing code or doing those types of things. Not sure. a great measurement of productivity, definitely, but we do see activity and we can match that up to, you know, or compare it against local employees as well. Okay. So I, I do think, again, it's, it's an emotional thing for these employees when they are remote. Now, you've obviously, obviously been talking about your experiences with, uh, with the organization you've been working with and, and sort of specific circumstances that have come up. Have there ever been any other areas or people you've talked with that have said, you know, we implemented this effectively, we definitely would, you know, encourage other organizations to do this? Uh, any other specific points you would want to make about this whole idea? You know, I, was, I spent the week in a room with, with 40 other business owners last week, and I would say a good third of them had remote workforces. Some were mixed. Some were, you know, there's a company, a design company out in Rhode Island, and he has, uh, I want to say, 50 or 60 employees, and none of them are working in the same office. They're all remote. Oh, wow. And this guy, this guy was so on top of this culture, so on top of retention. Like, it's an, it's an amazing thing that, and that's how he started his company. That was the intent from the very get go. Then there's other companies like ours who, sort of learned or had to got pushed into this direction. I think it's interesting to try it out because again, it think of all the things that it gets rid of. It gets rid of the commute, right? So got a guy down in San Antonio. He's a, he's an engineer. He uh, just had his first baby. He's not wasting two hours of his day every day coming into our office and then going home. Like he gets to spend those extra two hours with his 
newborn son, Mm -hmm. right? So that's a huge perk. And being able to say, culturally, we're sensitive to your work-life balance. And we're so sensitive to it that we don't really care where you're working. We have people in Chicago who don't come into the office. I personally like to go into the office. I'm a little bit more productive there, honestly. But we... we, We let everybody work remotely here too. So if they just need to go off to a cafe for, for a few hours or work from home because the plumber's coming, then that's fine. It just offers that extra flexibility because I don't think that you know a lot of people view their job as being the dominant or they don't want it to be the dominant presence in their life. They want right. to just connect on with their lives. And then you know when they plug in in the morning, they've got eight hours of productivity in, ahead of them and they're not burnt out from a commute. So with all the items that you talked about, do you see the move to a remote workforce as helping a lot in terms of hiring or bringing in that best talent? Do you see that as being a big factor potentially? Most definitely. Like I mentioned, if if you're able to offer a competitive compensation package, like financial compensation I'm talking about, say there's no difference between what you're paying and that VC-backed company out in San Francisco and then you say, we don't necessarily need you to be on site. And that makes you a, a much more attractive employer to, I don't know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of other job candidates who are out there. Right. Well, I definitely appreciate the conversation. I think it is, uh, as I said, and, and you mentioned there, the number of people who have moved to a remote workforce, at least in some capacity, I think it is trending quite a bit. Did you have any final messages or pieces of advice you'd want to offer up regarding this topic as we look to wrap up the conversation? I don't think that you need to, or companies need to commit to it wholesale. Like I said, we, we slid into it. There are other companies whose, you know, one of their core pillars is to be a remote workforce. Definitely give it a try. A lot of the job boards, when you're posting a job, will give you the option of saying where this job is located at. Once in a while, you know, think about it. If it's, if it's a job where you can see someone being productive apart from your office, Label it as remote. See how many more qualified candidates come in. It's it's pretty amazing. We we've been through this a couple of times in the past couple of months, and we said, okay, let's try to get someone local. But then, sure enough, you know, we sort of fell short in qualified candidates. We went into the job profile or the job post and ticked remote, and then sure enough, you know, dozens of of other qualified candidates started flooding in. So it, it's really amazing what can happen when you sort of open up that opportunity. I think that's a great way to summarize what we're talking about here today. Again, moving to a remote workforce and possibly dabbling into that on a smaller scale if you are an organization that's looking into making that switch. That will do it for us here on this edition of Employment Notebook. Again, we've been talking with our guest today, Craig Bryant. He's the founder and product manager of Kin HR. Craig, thanks again for sharing your thoughts with the listeners today. You bet. Thank you very much, too. And as always, we want to hear from you, the listener, as well. If you have any comments or suggestions, just shoot an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Again, you can tell us what you want to hear about on any of our podcasts here on LJN Radio. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody. Take care.